Whichever time of day you're choosing to tune in, welcome to What Lies in the Dark. All your life, you've been taught that the monsters you fear are under your bed and they're hiding in your closet. As you grow older, you find out that monsters aren't real. But are they? They don't hide or go boom in the night. They look just like us. They live next door. They're our friends, neighbors, family, and sometimes even our spouses. This isn't to scare you, it's to keep you vigilant. Keep your eyes open. It's to debunk the idea that monsters just simply are not real. Statistics say about 50% of victims know their attackers. That means 50% of the time, you shouldn't fear the unknown monsters in the dark. You must be careful of the monsters you already know. Maybe you have to know the darkness before you can appreciate the light. If you're anything like me, you love true crime. You're simply addicted to trying to figure out the who, what, when, where, and why. The psychology of it all. You sit on the edge of your seat trying to piece the puzzle together before the end of the story. So allow me every week to tell you a true crime story. Come feed your true crime addiction with me. After many years of working hard, Thomas and Jackie Hawks decided to reward themselves. They agreed to retire early and move to Newport Beach, California. They sold their home and purchased a 55-foot yacht that they named The Well-Deserved. This would become their home for the next two years as they sailed the Pacific Ocean and the Gulf of California. Thomas spent a lot of time renovating their two-deck boat with the latest technology and features that he thought would be suitable for their journey. Thomas Hawks was a 57-year-old father, a Vietnam vet, a retired probation officer, and a bodybuilder. He had a really great resume. Jackie was a 47-year-old wife and mother. And I just want to pause for a second and, and let it be known that I looked everywhere to figure out what it was that I could put on Jackie's resume. Um, but none of the articles that I read listed it. But it did claim that the couple worked really hard all their lives to be able to retire early. So I just want to go on record saying that I didn't want to just leave Jackie with 47-year-old. I was trying to give her her flowers as well, but I couldn't find anything. So I did try. But it was also said that the couple was really into their fitness and they took pride in their workout regimen and just overall having a healthy lifestyle. In 2004, after their youngest son told them that him and his wife were expecting, they made another decision. They decided that they wanted to dock their yacht and leave the California coast. They made plans to go to Arizona. Arizona was special to this couple because years prior, this is where they were married. And now this is where they'd be closer to their grandchild. In November, the couple put their yacht up for sale and seemed to have found some potential buyers. The Hawkses, unfortunately, were last seen November 15, 2004. When the yacht returned without them, suspicions were high. Their son, Ryan, stated that for them to just shut off their cell phones and drop off the face of the earth was extremely out of character. When they vanished, they answered no phone calls and their accounts seemed to go untouched. Some believe that maybe they'd taken an impromptu trip before selling their yacht. 
But soon it became very, very obvious that something was wrong. The couple's friends and family knew that they'd had a potential buyer and thought maybe these people might know something. Jim Hawks, Thomas's older brother and former police chief, left a note on the boat in hopes that the buyers might see it and contact him. And again, I just want to stop for a second to go off record to say that the note was left because Jim and another, I think it was a family friend or a family member, went and got on the boat. They were thinking, okay, listen, if anything, this boat's going to tell us everything we need to know. And I really feel like this was like Jim's MO because he's like, listen, I can kind of investigate this before I really need to get the police involved. Um, They knew that Thomas kept the boat in immaculate condition. They knew that he loved his boat. He cared about this boat. So they get on this boat and they do some investigating of their own. And they saw these little minor things, but to Thomas, these would not be minor things. The the knobs and dash, um, I don't know what you call them, the the dashboard, I guess, on the boat, the um the gauges were not where they should be or you know where they normally would be they were just kind of like you know whatever i don't even know how to explain it cuz i'm not a boat person but if you know anything about boats just know that the the knobs are just everywhere that was the first red flag the other red flag was that the little um the little boat like lifeboat on the side was just kind of thrown up there haphazardly it was not tied correctly and the boat was also not docked correctly these would not be things that thomas would do so that's why the note was left because they were like okay wait um something's not right here so uh jim left the note for the the buyers of the boat Jim received a call from Jennifer DeLeon. She said that her husband and her were the ones that bought the boat. Um, She told him that they purchased the boat and that was kind of like the end of her story. Jim was like, okay, listen, if, if you guys purchased the boat, then I feel like the money would be deposited into the accounts. So Jim reached out to a friend of the family who managed Thomas and Jackie's finances when they were out to sea. He knew that if they'd sold their boat, they would have deposited the money. There was no activity on their accounts. On November 26, 2004, someone attempted to access the Hawks' bank accounts from Mexico. Family was informed and Jim decided that this was the time that he needed to contact the authorities. So he filed the missing persons report. The police first began investigating the couple's boat. They found a partial bloody fingerprint. This gave them the probable cause they needed to begin to search the boat more. They were unable to find any other clear-cut evidence of what had taken place. A forensic team later discovered that the bloody partial fingerprint was actually just rust. They also discovered a Target receipt. The receipt was for trash bags, bleach, and Tums. And it was reported that, you know, if you wanted to kill somebody, these would be in your kill bag. Trash bags and bleach to uh, dispose and clean. And Tums, if you had humanity, you'd be sick about what you just did and you need the Tums to, you know, ease your stomach. Target provided surveillance camera fo- excuse me Target provided surveillance camera photos from the date of purchase. They thought they would see that the Deleons were on the camera, but instead they saw Steve Henderson. Steve Henderson was Jennifer's father. When speaking to Steve, the police learned that the couple sent him to the store to purchase these items, claiming that they needed them to clean their new boat. When asked where they could find the couple, he said that they were at a nearby church doing community service. They were out helping. 
So this eased police's suspicions just a little bit. They're thinking, all right, the couple is, you know, doing some selfless acts. They're helping other people. Normally people who do things like this are not murderers. They don't kidnap people. Maybe this isn't going the direction we think that it's going. Maybe the Hawkses went on a last hurrah and the Deleons have nothing to do with this. So next they go and talk to Skylar and Jennifer Deleon, who were listed as the buyers of the couple's boat. When police spoke to them, they voiced that the Hawkins family was generally concerned because they had not spoken to them. Uh, They said that no one had seen and heard from them in a while. Jennifer said that her and her husband, too, were genuinely concerned. They said that the Hawkses had left items on the boat that they believed were really personal and they wanted to get, get these items back to them. But they'd been reaching out since they sailed the boat and had heard from them. Jennifer seemed to really kind of ease the police's suspicions. They stated that she really seemed concerned. The couple informed police that they'd paid cash for the boat. They provided paperwork to prove the sale that contained signatures, fingerprints, and it was also notarized. They stated that this was money that Skylar had saved up from his acting days. Apparently, Skylar was a formal child star and he appeared in a TV series, The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But now... He worked in real estate. His wife, Jennifer, was a hairstylist pregnant with the couple's second child. The police doubted Skylar's story. He said that the Hawkses had left in their car with the yacht money and that was the last time that they'd seen them. Police were quite shocked when Skylar then admitted to a felony. Skylar stated that he'd purchased the boat with laundered money from an armed burglary he was convicted of. He also stated that he was involved in large drug deals. I can't for the life of me understand why he would disclose this incriminating evidence, but the police decided that right now was not uh, the time to kind of deal with that. They thought that the most important thing was this missing person's case. After a couple of weeks, there was activity on the Hawks' account, but it turned out to be the Deleons. This information set off so many alarm bells. The police learned that Skylar was on probation for armed robbery. They also learned that Skylar was named the durable power of attorney for the Hawkses. This also raised many eyebrows. Skylar claimed that he had access to the couple's finances and money because he was helping them get a vacation home in Mexico. The police investigated the signed document. Jackie had signed her name Hawk instead of Hawks. Police thought that this might be a red flag. They questioned if the document was signed and under duress. Was it a signal that something was wrong? Police tracked down Alfonso Machin, a friend of the Deleons, and Kathleen Harris, the notary, who both confirmed that the document was legitimate. After months of searching, the police were desperately trying to find the Hawkses. After flyers and bulletins were posted and passed around for information regarding the Hawkses, the missing car was finally found across the border, parked next to a mobile home. The owner stated that he did not know Thomas or Jackie, but that the car was gifted to him by none other than the Deleons. The police began collecting evidence from the car. At this point, the car was their top priority. Skyler told police in previous interviews that he had never been in the Hawks' car. After further investigation, it was proven to not be true as his DNA was in the vehicle. This sparked their interest more, and they began to ask more questions about Skylar. They learned that Skylar asked his probation officer to leave the country for work. So this all seemed to kind of add up around the time that the Hawkses go missing. Things weren't really looking up in Skylar's favor. The police had enough evidence to put him as their number one suspect. 
but they needed to act quickly. The police arrested Skyler for his admission of money laundering. They then searched his home and found the personal items of Thomas and Jackie Hawks. After that discovery, the police lost any hope. They, they just felt like this was enough to prove that they would not find the couple alive. But the issue was, how could they label this a murder without any bodies? The police decided that they needed more, and they continued to keep digging. They re-interviewed Kathleen Harris, the notary. Now, that's not her whole name, but I just want you to know that Kathleen is the notary. Eventually, she confessed that the testimony that she gave initially was a lie. She stated that she hadn't seen the Hawks sign the document and that she backdated it to say November 15, 2004. Because... She was asked by the Deleons to do so, and there was money involved. She stated that once she backdated the document, they paid her. So now the police are thinking, okay, okay, we're getting somewhere. So they go searching for Alfonso, who just happens to be in Mexico. They learned that he fled there to keep from being arrested. At this time, he was the missing link. So they strategically take the death penalty off the table and they get Alfonso to come back to California. Alfonso confesses that he was present during these events. He recounts exactly what happened. He said that Skyler told him that he was an international hitman and needed to take out Thomas and Jackie because they weren't good people. He brought John F. Kennedy, yes, you heard that right, and a pregnant Jennifer along during the exchange. The Hawkses were initially cautious of Skylar, but seemed to open up a bit when they saw Jennifer and John. Skylar went looking for Myron Gardner Sr., asking for his help. Myron declined, but told Skylar that he could introduce him to someone else who might help. This someone else was John F. Kennedy, a Long Beach gang member who was asked to help fight off and attack Thomas. When he arrived on the boat, Skyler told Thomas and Jackie that John was a part of his business team his business team, and actually was his accountant. They brought Jennifer along to ease any uneasiness because who would fear pregnant mother? Thomas and Jackie were lured out to sea on what they believed was a test run of their yacht. They were then forced to sign documents. Skyler and John overtook Thomas and handcuffed him while Alonzo handcuffed Jackie after which they were bound and gagged. Thomas seemed to kind of realize what was about to happen and he mustered up all the strength that he had and he kicked Skylar into a chair on the deck. After the kick, John punched Thomas in the head. Thomas was sitting next to his wife, comforting her as she cried and begged for her life. At one point, he even asked, how could you do this to us? You brought your wife and kids on board and we trusted you. The boat was then steered to the deepest part of the sea and the couple was tossed overboard tied to an anchor. They were pulled 3,500 feet to the bottom of the ocean and drowned alive. John then decided that this was a really good time to go fishing, so he fished all the way back to shore. Neither Thomas or Jackie's bodies were ever recovered. Alonzo also confessed that the couple were told that if they cooperated, they would be set free. So I just wanted to also be known that this couple believed that if they did what was asked of them, that they would be getting off this boat alive. Skylar initially denied any involvement, saying that he was not there at this time. He stated that he was innocent and claimed that maybe the couple was killed off over a bad drug deal. 
So I'm going to pause the story for just a second to add in a little bit more information about Skylar because he's, he's, he's something else. So first, um, this is kind of like differing information. So I'm not exactly what sure what is true and what's not true. But first off, Skylar claimed to have been in commercials and an extra in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So some reports say this and some reports say that um, through casting sheets, his name nor information was ever found. So they do not believe that he it to be true that he was ever in this series as an actor or as an extra. Who knows? Secondly, while awaiting trial, Skylar was then charged with solicita- soliciting another inmate to murder his father and cousin. So Skylar is also being looked at for another murder charge. This murder charge is of a guy named John Jarvie. He tells this guy, hey, I have this deal. If you give me some money, you'll make money. He takes this guy to Mexico murders him and the guy never comes back and he gets to run off with this guy's money. This was the plan all along. He knew that he was going to steal this guy's money. He knew that he was going to kill him, get rid of him, whatever. Um, and so now he is the suspect. He's accused of this murder. John Jarvie was found dead in 2003 in Mexico and Skylar's father and cousin were charged with accessory to this and there were key players in this murder case. So obviously Skylar's not really good at being a criminal and needs to give it up and find a new day, day job. But at this point, he has this murder case, the murder case of the Hawkses, and soliciting another inmate to murder his father and cousin, as well as the charge that he's currently on probation for. So again, like I said, not a really good uh, criminal and probably should have hung up his criminal hat a while ago. How Alfonso believed that Skylar was a good guy, I will never know. It was said that Alfonso met Skylar while he was in jail and Skylar was working in the work furlough program for a home invasion that he committed. So Alfonso was a jailer and Skylar was in the jail. How do you believe that this person is a hitman? I don't know, maybe because he was in jail, you're like, oh, maybe you got caught for being a hitman. But like, I think at that point, they'd probably say like, oh, you're not really good at your job because you got caught. So I'm just trying to figure out how Alfonso believed that they were going to do this hit on someone or that Skylar was a hitman for someone um, if he'd already been caught previously before. Like, you should be ex-nade off of anybody's radar for being a good criminal. So apparently this hit job um, was going to make, was going to make Alfonso $1 million. Alfonso said at the time he was unemployed and in need of money. He asked if the job was legal and Skylar told him it isn't illegal unless you get caught. Again, criminal thinking. Who says stuff like this? Red flags should have been popping off everywhere, Alfonso. Alfonso accepted a plea deal after testifying for the prosecution. He pled guilty to two counts of voluntary manslaughter, kidnapping, and robbery. He was sentenced to 20 years and four months in prison. Jennifer DeLeon was found guilty of two counts of first-degree murder. She was sentenced to two terms of life in prison without the probability of parole. John Fitzgerald Kennedy, probably not really a great name for him, but you know, you didn't know that at the time, mom, so it's okay. Uh, he was found guilty on two counts of first degree murder and sentenced to death. Skylar DeLeon was convicted of three counts of first degree murder. So two for this couple, one for John. 
So justice was served for all three of the victims and sentenced to death by lethal injection. Unfortunately, uh, in California, um, they're not doing death penalty cases right now. So uh, Skylar and John are still alive today on death row. After four years incarcerated, Myron Gardner, the first guy that was asked to help, um, but instead said, hey, look, here's John of Kennedy, take him. He pled guilty to being an accessory after the fact, and the murder charges against him were dropped. Wow. Like, that's all I can say is wow. Thank you for taking the time to let me tell you this story. I wanted to take a moment to pay homage and remember those that were hurt, the families that lost during these events. Please like, share, and comment because I would love, and I love hearing from you guys. I thank you so much for rocking with me through this journey. Um, I promise we're just going to keep getting better and better. All right, I'm out, you guys. Always remember to love one another, be kind to one another, and watch out for what lies in the dark. I'll see you right back here next week, next Monday, for another episode to help feed your true crime addiction. Bye.